News and interviews from across the world and right here in the central Susquehanna Valley. This is WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. Thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise. Mark Lawrence here. Mr. Rob Center is on the other side of the glass. He is why my voice is on the radio, and he is why the voice of our guest is about to be heard. We welcome Tom Butzler back to the radio, a horticulture educator at Penn State Cooperative Extension, and he's not too far from here. He's up in Clinton County. Are you at Lock Haven or Jersey Shore? Where's your office, Tom? My office is in um, Lock Haven itself, and I live in Jersey Shore, so I kind of straddle that Pine Creek there. You got that uh, 220 commute underway. You know how to do that. Okay, fabulous. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Always glad to talk to you. You've done a super job this year keeping us informed on important things. And uh, where all I want to do is sit in the recliner and think about spring gardening, you say, believe it or don't, for some folks, there are activities they can do. Let's start out with this spraying. Uh, I didn't hear much about this years ago, but now we hear a lot about folks spraying their fruit trees now. Tell us about that. Yeah, it sounds kind of odd that uh, everything's kind of dormant, no leaves out there yet, and we're talking about spraying fruit trees, which normally occurs in in the spring and summer months. But right now is a good time to apply certain products to control some insect issues and disease issues. So, um, you know, there are some insects that overwinter, scales, um, mites, mite eggs, um, on the branches and trunks of our fruit trees. So the application of uh, some of these horticultural oils at this point, or I I prefer to wait a little longer into maybe mid-March towards the end of March, uh, but that application of an oil spray will suffocate those overwintering insects and give you a head start on insect control throughout the rest of the season. But there's also some disease organisms, and we're talking mostly bacteria, but a couple fungal organisms that are also overwintering on these exterior structures of these fruit trees. And so a copper spray, a little bit towards the, more towards the end of March, but certainly this month, would be a good idea to, again, give you a, a leg up on disease control. You know, try to stay a little bit ahead of some of these potential problems as we get into more of the growing season. And your fruit growers will know what a copper spray is? Yes, that's, yeah. Um, and these are products you can pick up at any of the box stores, uh, um, uh, hardware stores, things like that. Um, you just read the label, but these are um, 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 oil sprays and copper sprays that are designed for applications to, to fruit trees. So they are readily available. And then you say you may wait a little bit to do this a little bit later into March. Is there some sort of a benchmark you're going by, like uh, temperatures that stay above 20 or hit 50 once in a while? What's your benchmark? Yeah, that's a good question, Mark. And really what you're looking at is is you want to apply these a little before bud break. We call it on apple trees, for example, this silver tip stage. Um, so you don't want to go apply some of these products beyond that because it might have some damage to this emerging uh, foliage. Um, but if you can wait until the temperatures start warming up a little bit, you know, some of these insects will start to become more active or, uh, you know, come out of the egg stage, and um, you, know, you might get a little bit better control. So, yes, you can apply them now, but I would wait till things uh, warm up a little bit. But certainly, as I said before, most times we're applying these in the month of March. 
Okay, and this, uh, well, the copper spray, we know what that is, but what about um, the oils? Is that like a vegetable oil that's inert and safe and so on? Yeah, it's a, it's a refined petroleum product, and yes, it's, it's safe. Now, if you would apply some of these oils during the growing season, yeah, you're going to get some burn uh, damage to your, um, um, you know, your leaves, uh, fruit trees, and so forth. Uh, but these have been designed, um, and if you apply and follow directions according to the label, always recommend reading that pesticide label. Uh, yeah, no damage there. And you say we can do some pruning of fruit trees now? Yeah, yeah. So this is also a good time to get out there um, and do some uh, pruning. You, you usually want to do this during the dormant season, and we're still in dormancy. So we've got several weeks yet before things start, you know, putting out that flush of uh, growth. So, yeah, go out and look at your apple trees or your peach trees and look at the architecture of those trees. You know, there's not leaves on there, so you get a really good idea of, of how that tree is shaped. So if we're looking at apple trees, for example, the typical way we like to prune those is think of a Christmas tree, you know, where it's tapered at the top and it comes out at the at more of the bottom of the tree. That's kind of the shape that we want with an apple tree. So those scaffold limbs, those limbs coming out from the main trunk, should be wider at the um, uh, towards the bottom of the tree. And as we go up that trunk, those scaffold limbs should be a little shorter. So that typical Christmas tree look. But yeah, get out there and 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 start pruning. And there's a couple things you want to look at when you're pruning. Um, first, you want to get rid of or, or prune out any of those limbs that and branches that are damaged. Could be some storm damage, uh, could be some um, uh, disease damage like fire blight, those need to be removed regardless. Then, you know, you might want to look at some of the water sprouts or, or sprouts coming up near the base of the tree, remove those. Any growth that is upright coming off of a branch, remove that. Any branches that are kind of rubbing up against each other, um, you would want to remove that, provide plenty of space for those um, leaves to expand. So there's a number of things that you can look at when you, uh, you know, observing your tree and deciding, you know, what the you know, leaves there and what to remove. Okay, so and pruning guidelines would be something we would find at uh, uh, extension.psu.edu. You could look for uh, fruit tree pruning demonstrations yep. and so on. Yep, we've got some videos and there are some um, uh, educational fact sheets that would guide um, both growers and homeowners. Homeowners sometimes have these really nice uh, backyard orchards. You know, they might have 10, 20, 15, you know, 15 trees. So, yeah, that information is readily available and kind of set you through that process. Yeah, I do see uh, the, there is a growth in, of uh, people interested in fruit trees. So uh, maybe because it's like a long-term investment, but it's because it will be, you know, it certainly can be productive in the years ahead. Uh, yep. You, you talked this week about starting seeds. So that's something else we can do now? Yeah, so... You know, today, you know, looking out my window, today's a beautiful day. And for a lot of gardeners, they just want to itch. They have this itch to get out there and start gardening. But, of course, it's a little too early to be putting plants out there. But you can start plants inside, and especially some of our warm-season vegetables, such as um, uh, tomatoes, uh, peppers, eggplants, and so forth. Uh, if you have a variety that, you know, you, you, you like, go buy the seed, and, and you can start them now. And, and you really don't need a lot of high-tech gear um, you, you might want to have a warming pad just so that it heats up the soil a little bit so those seeds germinate. Um, of course, you're going to need some media. You get some potting soil uh, seed starting mix um, at, a, at a box store, um, garden center, hardware store. 
And then once those seeds germinate, you, you might want to have some sort of a light. Yes, you can put these near the window, but that's not really the brightest light, and your, your seedlings will tend to stretch, become elongated, and that's not producing a real healthy transplant. So we do really encourage to, to buy some of these grow lights so that you can put them maybe two inches above uh, these seedlings, and they don't stretch, and they're really robust. All right, yeah, a lot of folks that are serious about garden <laughs> go down in the basement. You see the blue glow, you know. The, Absolutely. <laughs> you know the lights are gone. Okay, uh, let's see. Soil test your garden. That's something else you can do now. I there is a. I don't think the ground is frozen solidly everywhere right now. Yeah, I was out walking in the yard the other day, and it's getting kind of mushy. So this would be a good time to to take some uh, soil test. You know. We, we, we've hit the, 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 the agriculture community, farmers, growers, on the importance of, of, of taking these soil tests so they apply the appropriate amount of nutrients and not too much. You're aware of the whole Susquehanna Bay River issue and nutrients going down uh, the waterways. And I do think homeowners should also play their part by not just throwing out fertilizers willy-nilly, but doing it a little more uh, judiciously. So, uh, you know, we're not putting excess uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in our gardens. In addition, it's, it's getting expensive. So why not look at a scientific way to determine how much phosphorus and potassium we should be applying, just the appropriate amount. And a soil test will give you those answers. Now, I'll put a shameless plug in for Penn State. We do have a lab up there that will do uh, soil tests, relatively cheap. But there are other uh, private um, um, uh, companies that also do that. So regardless of which way you did go, I, I do encourage you to get these soil tests so that you can, you know, accurately feed those um, uh, plants. And if, because you, if you do it that way, you know, you produce a healthy plant, it's better able to fight off some of the disease issues, insect problems. I'm and not you, saying totally conquer it, but gives you a leg up. And you can get some of those tests done at uh, Penn State. So, again, extension.psu. Okay, we got a couple of listener questions who said the next time Tom's on, ask him if finally now is the time to prune my puffball hydrangeas. Yeah, well, it depends on what, you know, there are a couple different um, um, hydrangeas out there. We have some that are spring-flowering hydrangeas, and those flower buds were set last year. And so if you do some pruning now, you're going to remove them. But we do have some summer flowering hydrangeas that prune on, that bloom on new wood, meaning they, they, gonna, those flower buds will be set um, later this spring. You could prune those now. Now, do when those. you say puffball, I don't know what species that is. I'm not sure. <laughs> if that's the... Um, um, yeah, I'd that's have, uh, that's how they described it, it, so who knows. All right, uh, can I do any mulching now? I see that some of the bulbs have come up. Is it too late to do any mulching? No, they'll be fine. Those bulbs are strong enough to push um, up through, you know, two or three inches uh, of mulch. So, yeah, go ahead and, and be applying that. You can apply that mulch uh, now. Um, yeah. Now, if you, were, if you had... Um, uh, some recently planted perennials where you don't don't have that strong root system, and it might be a little problematic, but established bulbs will be able to push up through that easily. All right. And finally, we have some maple trees on our acreage. Would it be easy to start drawing some sap? I guess they don't do this at all, and they want to consider drawing some sap from trees. Is that hard to do? Yeah, I've never done it. Um, 
So all I know is, you know, I've gone to a couple of those maple festivals, and um, <laughs> those should be, I believe, taps right now because we're gonna. That's gonna the um, sugars coming up from that root system. We're gonna start moving up through that whole plumbing system of the tree. So yeah, that if I recall correctly, through my little. Um, you know, taking the kids on the Saturday event. Uh, <laughs> that's the tap now, yeah. Now's the time. Okay. Well, t- well, I also know it takes a lot of trees and a lot of buckets and a lot of hose, yeah. so it might be more Labor than... Intensive f- effort, but I guess it's it's sweet in the end, right? I guess so. Yeah, absolutely. We have a maple tree in our backyard. We could probably get a tablespoon of sap out of it, so, or syrup out of it if eventually. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for your updates. We will talk again as uh, spring emerges, and we'll keep these conversations yep. going. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you. Enjoy the sunny weather. Thank you. Tom Butzler, horticulture educator at Penn State Cooperative Extension up in Lock Haven in Clinton County. And uh, extension.psu is the website he sends you to, uh, or extension.psu.edu. And you can reach him at extension.psu.edu slash Tom Butzler. You can get more information from him.